Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Baldface Truth. You've got the home of the truth. Back to The Baldface Truth with John Kanzano on 750 The Game. Colorado will go to Research Stadium on Saturday. It's a big football game for Oregon State. It's a big football game for Colorado. They're coming off a win. Uh, joining us, interim head coach at Colorado, Mike Sanford, is with us. Hey, how did that feel last week to to win a football game in front of 50,000 parents and fans uh, there in Boulder? It felt really good. Uh, you know, it was, it was long overdue. I think a lot of the emotion um, for our team, for our coaching staff, what we've gone through, not just uh, you know, not just the previous two weeks. Um, you know, seeing seeing a guy that we all loved and, and Coach Terrell, um, uh, you know, not be with us, but also, you know, really the, how the first five games have played out. Um, yeah, you know, I think it was just uh, one of those explosions of uh, of joy um, that happened, you know, across across our sideline, and and I think that reverberated with the crowd and fan base here. And you know, it was just uh, it was a special Saturday. Um, certainly something that we believe we can build on. Uh, and, and for me, uh, you know, we changed a lot of our processes. Um, and, and really emphasize process over outcome. So it was great for us to, um, you know, for our players in particular to see that, you know, some of the changes that we did make um, did lead to um, a result that we were all, you know, very satisfied with and, uh, you know, made this week's week of practice, I think, even even that much more spirited. Yeah, it's, it was interesting to kind of in the wake of that game to hear Cal talking about, hey, you, you know, Colorado had guys that had never played certain positions, personnel changes, scheme changes. Um, you know, obviously some of that is intentional, but just the energy in general. Like when you come in, like you had a meeting with your players, I think, on the field before the game. What what did you want to accomplish with that? Like nobody had ever seen that before. Uh, you know, I, I just wanted us uh, to to go down. You know, we have a buff walk, a, a really nice, uh, good tradition here in Boulder. And, you know, I had never been on it because the, the assistants go straight to recruiting, you know, from uh, the team hotel. Um, and I wanted all of our staff, uh, players, you know, support staff to be on that buff walk together. And instead of it being a little bit anticlimactic and just go straight in the locker room, I wanted there to be a you know, point in time where we gather on the field and, and you know, we start to visualize uh, and believe and trust in what we have prepared to do. Um, you know, and I, I wanted to set the tone and set the stage for, you know, for what we were going to do on that given day. And um, we had a, we, I really believe we have the best creative uh, team in, in all college football. We just incredible gifts, uh, and I wanted to utilize some of their gifts, and that's making a, just a quick little highlight for us to just, you know, see the images of what we've already done on the season, how we practiced the last two weeks, um, and just to, you know, give our players, because I really do think that this, this generation, um, you know, they, they get a lot of their confidence from social media and, and visuals. Um, and so I wanted them to see themselves making those plays and visualize themselves doing it on Saturday uh, on that particular field as we watch that tape. For people who don't know, Mike Sanford has been around football for most of his life. Yeah, you go back, like even in your career, like you've been all over from you know Minnesota, Utah State, Western Kentucky, your alma mater, Boise State, Notre Dame. But you were at Stanford for a while, and then let's go back to your dad, who was the head coach at UNLV. What is it? What is it like growing up in a football family, and now you got you got kids of your own, two sons of your own, and a daughter who are watching dad do the same damn thing. <laughs> you know, it's it was uh, that was another reason that that Saturday at Folsom was so special for me. My my dad, 
you know, boarded a, a like a 5 a.m. flight where he'd coach the high school game. He's 67 years old, um, and he can't get it out of his uh, system, you know, the game of football and coaching. So um, he's the head coach at Faith Lutheran High School in Las Vegas in Summerlin area. Um, and he was on an early morning flight. My mom came up. You know, they, we've all been through a lot, you know, in the game of football. And, and you know, he showed me to do things the right way, um, which is always make it about the players, not yourself. It was an emotional time. My wife and, and three kids were on the field, my mom and dad. I looked over at my mom during, uh, you know, everybody was rushing the field. My mom couldn't stop crying, like, for an hour. Uh, I was like, Mom, it's okay. She's like, no, I'm just so happy for you. I'm like, just, it's okay. We, you know, we're, let's enjoy it. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it's, there's been a lot of moves. Um, but, but I think with that, I think my, even my own children, my, my daughter's 12, she's, made, she's moved nine times. Um, by the time she was four years old, had lived in all four time zones in the United States. Um, you know, so there's a lot of things that are unique about the life of being a coach's kid. But uh, I think it, if, if you choose to make, um, make the best out of it, I, I think it makes you a really well-rounded person. And for me in particular, not just as a, as a son of a coach, but also now in my own journey, you know, there's a lot of downsides to as many times as I've moved. Um, but there are a lot of positives, too. I mean, even putting some ideas together for, for how we practice, for how we travel, um, a lot of those are, come from the experiences of being around, you know, P.J. Fleck, Jim Harbaugh, uh, Brian Harston, Brian Kelly, um, you know, just to name a few, David Shaw. Um, those are guys that, that were mentors to me, and I was learning by osmosis. And when my opportunity came, you know, two weeks ago, I said, I'm going to give these players everything that I have from all the experience and wisdom that I've attained over the years. We're talking to Mike Sanford. He is the interim coach at Colorado. What What do you want to get out of this season? Because, you know, it's it's never good. You see a coach dismissed and a change. But sometimes, you know, in, you know, Washington State's a great example. The interim coach comes in, catches lightning in a bottle, galvanizes the program. You know, what's your mission, short term, long term, with this season? Well, you know, I I think I've said it so many times, and and I I have to remind myself about this because. If you make it about anything other than the players, then it starts becoming self-centered. And what I've seen in my experience in my years is when a, when the leader of the program is, is looking out for themselves over those three, um, you know, players can see right through that. Um, so I, I think that's exactly what I'm going to be doing for these next six games is just continue to pour everything I have into these players, um, galvanize our staff to do the same. Um, and, you know, as many unknowns and uncertainties as there are for us personally, um, I just want to make this thing fully about putting them in, in the best place that they can experience those moments like Saturday at Folsom Field. And, um, you know, in, in this, this season and over, those those three non-conference preseason quote-unquote losses that we have, they don't count anymore. You know, and, and the thing that people don't want to look at, they see us as one in five. You know, right now we're one and two in the conference. Um, you know, and it sounds insane, but we're we're in seventh place out of ten out of twelve teams in the Pac-12. Um, you know, we have a lot to play for, um, and and frankly, we haven't been eliminated from anything. Um, so we're just going to take it one game at a time. We just have to be the better team um, each Saturday. We don't have to be the best team in the conference. I don't think anybody in, in the landscape of college football thinks that we're the best in the Pac-12. Um, but we just have to prepare. Uh, and have the mindset that we, we, we can win ball games if we're the better team just on that particular Saturday. And, and I think we showed that on, on last Saturday against Cal. How do you transition from being the offensive coordinator and quarterback guy? Now, I know you've coached every position on offense. You know, when, when you're the quarterback guy, how do you transition from that role into interim head coach? And how much do you, during practice and individual time, do you just regress to, hey, I need to be the position coach right now in this, in this next 15 or 20 minutes? 
Well, you know, there's so many different experiences that um, that I learned from, you know, uh, individual, you know, isolated experience from being a head coach before um, that, you know, frankly, I think the transition's been so much easier than the first time I, I had that opportunity to be a head coach um, because I was 33 years old. Uh, I, was, I wasn't ready, um, and, and I learned from my mistakes, from my failings, and, and those failings turned into growth. Um, and, and so really now I'm – I'm just looking out for, you know, 116 players on a roster, um, the staff. And, uh, you know, there's certainly things. I, I sit in the quarterback meeting room a whole heck of a lot more. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to sit, you know, I'm going to stand next to quarterback Indy. But, you know, I, I'm also seeing the value of, of being everywhere on the practice field um, and bringing my energy, bringing my passion to each position on the field. And, and that's one area. Uh, I learned from Western Kentucky. I, I got a little too heavy with the quarterbacks in my second year, and I think some of the uh, just the overall management of the team um, and them feeling connected to me and, and really feeling my energy really fell off. Um, so I'm 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 learning from that mistake, and and I'm really really around every position and around the defense and around the offense during practice and in game, and I'm going to continue to do that because once again I made this about our players, not just. Um, about myself or not just about the quarterback position, but about all 116 players in this roster. Help us out with Oregon State because, especially on the defensive side of the ball, I'll have you step into offensive coordinator role now. When you look at film, what do you see at Oregon State? Uh, you know, aside from, you know, they've got great experience, they, they have some depth and experience, but what do you see on film when you look at them? Physicality. Um, you know, I think they've, uh, I think Jonathan's done a really good job with. Uh, you know, just developing an identity of being a physical football team. Um, and what I learned from my time at Stanford is, you know, when you're offensive to get into traditional I-formation football with two, three tight ends and fullback on the field at any given time, anywhere on the field, um, that has uh, benefits for your entire football program and really your defense. Um, you know, you have to fit runs physically and practice, you know, nine months out of the year um, between spring ball and fall camp and, you know, I, I, that's one thing that I, I learned from Jim Harbaugh at Stanford and David Shaw is just the importance of, uh, of, of developing your, an identity on offense to really help your defense become the most physical version that they can be. Um, you know, I think that, you know, if you look at the conference right now, you know, uh, Oregon State's really kind of cornered the market of just pure physicality. Um, and so I see that on tape. It shows up in all three phases. Um, we got to put our big boy pads on, you know, to, to go – um, find a way to, to compete and win this football game. Um, that's going to be a key for us. Home field advantage in this conference feels like it's bigger than like three points. It feels like it's seven to ten. What goes on in your mind when uh, a Pac-12 team is traveling to another Pac-12 venue? You've done it for years at Stanford and and now at Colorado. Well, you know, there's a couple things that I've talked with our team about this week. I mean, one of them is, you know, it just stating the facts. I mean, this is we have an opportunity to do something that hasn't been done here in three years. Um, I believe that the last um, Colorado uh, road Pac-12 or really any non-conference or conference road victory in front of fans was in 2019. Uh, I believe it was Arizona State. It was either in September or October. So that's a that's a pretty long um, you know layoff in terms of, of finding a way to win on the road. Um, you know we've we've changed some of our preparation for how we travel, um, what we're doing at the team hotel. Um, you know doing more physical. Um, you know kind of. Uh, you, you know, the trip up to Corvallis is such a unique one. I've done it a lot with my time at Stanford, even at Boise State. You know, there's no easy way to get to Corvallis, as we all know. You know, if you look at I mean, from today we're going to leave here, uh, you know, and, and, and go from Boulder and drive to DIA. Um, that's a 45-minute 
uh, drive in a bus with traffic. Um, you wear the flights two and a half hours, add 30, that's three. And then another bus ride, we're staying in Salem from, you know, from Eugene to Salem. Uh, and then another bus ride, that's a lot of sitting down uh, in activity. Uh, and one of my beliefs is that motion is lotion. Um, you know, and so for your body, I think it's important to move. Um, so we're going to get off the tarmac. Uh, we're going to get onto the tarmac off the plane, and we're going to do some mobility work right when we land. Uh, we're going to do some pool workouts as a team. Um, these are things that I've picked up over the years um, that I've seen teams that have done really well um, that I've been a part of on the road. And I think some of us just dealing with the physical attributes of traveling and you know, unlocking your hips, your hamstrings, your quads, because when you sit on a bus for a long time, I mean, even myself, I'm 40, you know, I, I get up and I feel, you know, I barely walk, um, you know, <laughs> so let alone these athletes that are going to be expected to run four four forties and cover, you know, and, and make plays and, and all those things. So um, we're just finding any any possible edge that we can give our players that they know they have the best chance to, uh, to have confidence going into that game. I need to unlock my hips and my quads too when I travel. I I, I need a I need a user guide for that. We'll, we'll, get... oh, we'll, we'll send you one, John. Yeah, thank we'll, you. Uh, I'll, I'll have uh, Terry or Straco yeah. send you one. So, yeah. but it's been fun. It has been fun just um, for us. You know, there's been a lot of changes. I mean, there's and a lot of those changes uh, to, to the point earlier that we made is. You know, these are things that I've learned, you know, and, and I didn't come up with it, but um, sometimes the, the biggest form of flattery is plagiarism, and, um, you know, I'm not I'm not uh, ashamed to, to take the experiences that I've learned from other head coaches that I've worked under and strength coaches that I've worked with, and, you know, we're just trying to find ways to get our guys to be really, really confident and feel, you know, feel the best that they can. All right, so my wife and I are watching uh, this series called The Patient. It's, uh, you know, uh, uh, one of those binge-watching uh, shows, and then we're watching The Old Man What's your guilty pleasure, Mike Sanford? Help us get to know you a little bit. What do you do that it's not related to football? Yeah, you know, it's funny. My wife and I try to get into series, and uh, it's amazing the amount of, uh, amount of series that we've watched. And my wife, you know, she gets mad at me because, you know, we work so many hours, even in the offseason. Yeah. We'll start a series, and she'll look over, and 20 minutes into the end of this uh, episode, I'm asleep. Um, <laughs> so that, that's a challenge. Um, you know, I pour a lot into these players and all that, but, um, you know, the one thing that I do love and I've always loved, and um, I didn't tell Chris Peterson, my uh, my position coach in college, very much, but um, when I was playing at Boise State, I had a season pass to Bogey Space and Ski Resort, um, uh-huh. and I, I would go 25, 30 times a year during uh, during my college time at Boise State, and uh, even now I got the Epic Pass, and, you know, any time I can get up into the mountains, uh, I love snowboarding, um, even with my torn meniscus, it's still uh, – one of my definite guilty pleasures, my uh, and certainly we're in the best place in the country for that now. So, um, you know, irregardless of anything that happens, um, there's yeah, for sure at the end of this season, uh, I'm going to find myself up at Breckenridge or Vale. Uh, with my family and uh, definitely be up there on the slopes uh, getting in some fresh pow. Now you grew like you grew up more or less in Seal Beach, California, and you went to yeah. La- Los Alamitos High School in California. So, so where did you get the snowboard ski thing? What was your first exposure to it? You know, it's funny. I was uh, always a you know just a great coach's kid. I was on the sidelines at SC. You know, when my dad's coaching at USC, yeah. and um, a lot of the roles I had. I was the ball boy, and before that, I held Larry Smith and John Robinson's, uh, you know, cords uh, on their headsets. Um, but I, I went through that rebellious kind of kind of middle school era of uh, being the skater, um, you know, surfer, you know, h- hanging out on the south side of the Seal Beach Pier. Um, and then kind of with that, you know, when it's wintertime, you know, everybody gets up to, you know, Big Bear and Snow Summit, and that's where I kind of developed that love for snowboarding. And, um, you know, I found that I actually enjoy being on the mountain even more than being in the ocean. So um, it's just – and then when I when I got to Boise State, it was just 
it was on. And uh, uh, ironically, Andy Avalos, the head coach now at Boise State, and I were in the same class. And there was a group of about five, six of us that went up all the time together. And we didn't tell our coaches very much about how much we were <laughs> up there snowboarding and getting in half pipes and getting out big jumps. But we never had any injuries. So um, just got to continue to knock on wood every time I go up there. I think, you know, I look, I've done both. I have my own answer, but you tell me, what's harder for somebody who's never done either, learning to snowboard or learning to surf? Ooh, surfing. Yeah, <laughs> surfing's tough. Agreed. Like, uh, it's fun. So, like, I was a bodyboarder, um, so more of a sponge type, and, and uh, I didn't have the, t- the time commitment, you know, as an athlete to, to get into the surfing as much. So, um, you know, if you want to just kind of pull around and get on the shore break and all that stuff, I think getting on a little boogie board is the way to go, but snowboarding you take one or two lessons that you're you're rolling so um i think it's a whole heck of a lot easier yeah i tried uh i took one surf lesson it was the hardest damn thing i've ever done like you know (laughs) even to just paddling yes like like the great thing about snowboarding is you get on a chair and and at least that you know you're gonna get to the top yeah at least you're there it gives you a chance like just to paddle out through breaking you know all the break i mean it sometimes you, you you quit before you can get out there and have a chance right away so um not an easy deal all right, Mike, good luck to you on your travel, and uh, good luck to you Saturday in, in Corvallis. Appreciate you making time for us. No, I appreciate you too, John, and thanks for all you do for this conference, and uh, look forward to, to getting down there to Corvallis or up there, and uh, it's going to be a great great challenge for us. Thank you, Mike Sanford, Colorado's interim coach. Uh, they will be traveling. Unlock the quads. <laughs> Unlock the hips. I'm going to get that from uh, Colorado State, Colorado's uh, strength and conditioning coach. All right, you got the bald-faced truth. We are locked in on a Friday. Great college football weekend ahead. We interrupt this broadcast with a special announcement from the Bald Face Truth. Sorry to interrupt the podcast, but if you want to listen to more of the Bald Face Truth Radio Show, including more of this segment that you're listening to, make sure you subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes to the Bald Face Truth Radio Show. Thanks for listening.